This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got Jonathan Pritchard with me. Uh, Jonathan is an author, a speaker, and a trainer focusing on the power of applied psychology. I like that, man. I love talking psychology. I had a, like a, a minor in psychology, so maybe we'll, we'll, we'll dust that off a little bit, and we'll see where that goes, Jonathan. How's that sound? Outstanding. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, it's good to be with you today. You're coming to us from Asheville, North Carolina. I didn't know that before that, but that is very cool. You just moved there. We were just on vacation there. Awesome spot. Eight Was it 8,000 acres at the Biltmore Mansion? Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's incredible. Just a huge property. Absolutely incredible. Very cool spot. You're in a good spot there in America. So uh, glad you could be with us. So, you know, obviously you don't just wake up and become an author, a speaker and a trainer and have the credibility you have with all the clients that you have. So maybe give us a little lay of the land, Jonathan, what's made you the man you are today and how did you get to where you're at today? Well, the, to back up far enough for it to make sense, I got to be about five or six years old. My dad buys me a magic kit for Christmas He thought it was just some cheapo thing that would wind up in the trash. And then a year later, I'm still playing around with it and never gave it up. So I got started in the world of magic tricks and then got interested in the mind reading tricks because that always seemed more interesting to people than than a rope trick or coin tricks. You're like, wait a minute, how did you know that? So that became fascinating. And then that's what took me around the world. And then I started getting more interested in why are mind reading tricks possible in the first place? Like, what is it about human beings that make it possible for me to make you think that I could read minds? Like the the kind of meta level of, of what makes it all happen. Turns out when you dive into that, you're now unlocking how we interact with reality, how we create narratives to explain experience, where meaning comes from. And now you have, you've kind of seen into the matrix of how good marketing works, how good sales works, how good delivery works. So I, I had, like I said, traveled the world as a entertainer, as a mentalist and all the applied psychology I use on stage to make my theater show work that I had done as a featured performer at gala events, fundraisers, product launches, realized like, wait a minute, all this stuff I've used in my own business and all these business gurus claiming to understand the psychology of X, like, wait a minute, I challenge all of them to a thought leader 
experience. Like, let's all just stand in front of an audience of a thousand people and see who can lead that audience more effectively. So I, I'm going to win that one every single time. So, so that's, that's how I kind of transitioned into the world of business and business consulting, speaking, training the whole nine yards. So how did you build up those? So I'm always fascinated by this is that people build these companies. And as you said, you traveled all over the world and you had some big, big clients from, you know, fortune 500 companies and all the things that you were doing, which is really cool. But like, how do you, how did you take that first step to then say, yeah, I'm going to go across seas and I'm going to get featured in this and I'm going to get hired by that. Like, how did you make yourself known? If that makes any sense? It does make sense. And it was a long route. I I wish there were a flip the switch and it happens solution. That would have been great. The good thing is that, that those wins were small enough for me to get used to them as they go. The thing I don't want to do is get too famous or too successful too quickly, not know how to manage that and then crash and burn. So it's kind of like learn how to ride a bicycle first. Don't, try to do downhill trail riding the next day. So for me, it started as a mentor mentee relationship. I made myself useful to a full-time performer. And I said, listen, I want to be your tour manager. I'm going to ask you everything I can think of about your business, how you market, how you think about this. You don't have to pay me a lot, but I just want to be a fly on the wall for everything that you do. And, and you teach me, he goes, yeah, sure. Let's go. So for about a year and a half, I got front row seats to everything he did. And then I went, oh, okay, cool. I get it. And then went out on my own with his recipe and got his results, became a a full-time touring entertainer. And the focus was in the college market. So colleges have an entertainment budget where every student pays into the pool And then a student body committee books entertainers. So every Thursday night is our on-campus entertainment. This week, we've got a singer-songwriter. Next week, we've got a comedian. The week after that, we have a hypnotist. After that, we've got a magician. After that, we got a mind reader. Well, I'm the mind reader in that slot. Hmm. So that's, that's where a lot of my touring started and then got an agent who had a lot of relationships with a lot of different colleges through that relationship got connected to the USO MWR tour, did a a tour in South Korea for the troops and just slowly built my resume. And the website just keeps getting better and better. And every show about five minutes after the show, that logo goes up on trusted clients, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you got to keep that fresh. Right. So it just, Every, every performance is a sales pitch for the next one because every audience, you got 500 people, who knows how many of those folks eventually will know somebody who's planning an event or be somebody who's going to plan an event. And what I do is really tough to forget. Like you haven't seen that many mind readers. So right. Five years from now, you're going, oh yeah, we're we're planning that fundraiser. You know, there was this guy, I, I his name made jo- Johnny something, I don't know. And then they just look it up and there I am. Huh. 
It's amazing. So, I mean, I think about the perseverance. I think about the grit. I think about probably a ton of rejection. I would assume maybe not, uh, but I would. Uh, assume oh yeah. So. I, I just don't pay attention to it. I don't even know how many times I've been rejected because most rejection is just lack of something. Yeah. So you just swim towards what, what wants you and you just keep winning. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. So when we talk about the attitude, uh, I'm sorry, the circuits of success, we start with attitude. We talk about your belief system, but you know, you can wake up and have a phenomenal attitude today, but that rejection is where, in my opinion, you got to fall back on your belief system, right? So, so what was that belief system for you that said, even in the times where it was tough, even in the early days, we didn't have the logos to put on your website, or maybe you didn't even have a website. What was that belief system you had in yourself and that, that mission, that passion, whatever it was that drove you to become successful? I, I think one of the coolest things is that I didn't really need that belief because I had seen what works. And it's kind of like belief in gravity. You let go of something, it's going to fall to the table. Cool. I don't need to believe in it. So when, when you've had a mentor that shows you step one, step two, part A, B, C, step three, it's, it's just so clear if it's not working, oh yeah, I wasn't following the recipe. That's on me and get back on track and just do it. And in a way, none of this has ever required motivation because it is absolutely fascinating to me. Like if, if I wasn't getting paid at all, I would still be thinking about exactly the same things. I would still be doing exactly the same thing all day, every day. My, my wife will tell you, I just, I'm shuffling cards all day long because it's just what I've been doing my whole life already. It's just an honor to get paid and talk about it. Right. So that's really cool. Very cool to follow your passion. So what did you learn that that applied to the business world, right? So a lot of business people are listening to this. They're driving down the road. They've got this, they're going to this big meeting, the sales meeting or whatever it may be. What, what psychology are you thinking right now? The mindset to get ready for the big meeting. I'm, I'm speaking in literal terms and it is trust and integrity. Integrity is oftentimes a very fuzzy, cloudy, nebulous idea for most people. It's actually really simple and straightforward. Are your thoughts, your words, and your actions in alignment? Are they integrated to the same end goal or purpose? You can say, I love you, but if, if you actually think I hate you, then your words and beliefs are going to be out of alignment and people are really good at detecting that lack of integrity. So you actually have to love your audience, tell them that you love them, then behave like you love them. When, when those three pieces are in perfect alignment and integrated, that's when your audience can trust you. If they trust you, then they're more likely to give you truthful answers of why the budget is an issue or why we can't do this this quarter, but next quarter we'll be able to make this work. Without trust, you don't get any kind of accurate input from your client, from your customer, from your employees, from your investors. If there's no trust, then you have zero accurate information to work with. So as a, as a performer, I'm not just a public speaker, 
I'm engaging. There, there's a two-way conversation because I'm bringing strangers from the audience up on stage in front of these bright lights. That's that's the number one phobia, not just uncomfortable thing, but phobia is public speaking. And people trust me enough to get in that experience and then actually have fun because of it. Right? Like they, they actually enjoyed it. It wasn't that it wasn't awful. They actually had fun because I know how to act in a way that helps people trust me and then never violate that trust, never say anything, don't even think something that could be taken as violating that trust. And that's why I, I treat all my participants with that love and respect. And then suddenly you've, you've got the trust of the whole audience. And then there's, there's nowhere you can't go, but you there's could go some really wacky places then. Yeah. Are you gonna do any mind reading or any uh, card tricks or anything today? Oh, maybe. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what am I it? thinking In, right now? Yeah, there's a chance you're taking this a little too seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's talk about, you know, you talk about self-improvement and things like that on your site, but like, so how do you define self-improvement? Because there's tons of self-improvement gurus out there, tons of books, podcasts, you know, white papers, whatever you want to call it, they're everywhere. So how do you define it and how are you helping people with that? More interesting problems. That's it. Like, I want more interesting problems this year than I had last year. If I'm still dealing with the same problem, then I probably haven't improved, grown, or made any kind of progress. So yes. to me, I, I'm on the right track if I'm dealing with some new, interesting issues that I haven't ever dealt with before. Yeah. So those issues, though, like, so for helping others, uh, you know, listen to this right now, and, and they want to get better, and they want to have those issues uh, resolved. I mean, what does your process look like for that? Like, what do you do to, to improve? And if this one thing is a goal now, how is it scratched off the list? And, and like, what does that process look like for you? Most of the time, it is helping them understand what their issues are that they don't even see themselves. Okay. Because a magician, a mentalist is an expert at helping you tell yourself the wrong story. Mm. I don't lie to you. I let you lie to you and you're going to believe yourself more than me. So tell me more about that. I just behave in a way that leads you to logical conclusions that I later show are not true. And that's where the surprise is. If I just explicitly told you, there's no tiger in this box. Look, there's a tiger in this box. That's not impressive. If I show you the box inside and out, and you come to the conclusion that there's no tiger in the box, now when there is, wow, that's impressive. How did he do that? So <laughs> most people have some kind of story in their head that is in no way related to reality. But it, the, the way I heard it said one time was, it's really hard to read the label from inside the bottle. So it all makes perfect sense to you because this is how you've lived your entire life. So it takes somebody from the outside to then give you a little pushback about, you know, it's obvious that X, Y, and Z, well, then it's my job to go, 
do you know that you just included X, Y, and Z? They're like, what, what are you talking about? I, I've never said X, Y, and Z at all in the first, like ever. It's like, well, you, you just did. So it, it's that outside perspective of helping people be aware of, understand, and then let go of those beliefs and ideas that aren't serving them, that are probably derailing all of their efforts, but it's just so natural that they don't even, they can't even imagine that it could be any other way. So that's, that's the, the biggest part is just helping people let go of what's not working will free up a lot of energy to spend on what is working. Yeah. And I think too, the, the psychology behind that in my experience is in, in professional world over 20 years now and is, is the level of comfort that comes along with stuff too, right? That maybe you don't want to go above and beyond, or maybe you feel like you don't quote unquote need to go above and beyond, but there becomes a time where you can get in this rut and then it's harder to get out, whatever that rut is, right? Maybe it's a rut at work. It's a rut in your relationship. It's a rut with, I haven't worked out in a long time and now I got to get back to the gym. I mean, like what, what advice do you have for people on it, getting out of that rut and making the next steps, even when you maybe not have a very, very clear plan for how to do that. There's a, there's a dynamic that we don't really have anymore that I'm absolutely fascinated by. And that is vaudeville entertainment. It used to vaudeville be an, entertainment. Okay. Yeah, it was not familiar it was with it. big in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And if you were a vaudeville entertainer, it is quite likely that you had a 12 minute act that you don't change for the next 20 years. You say exactly the same words wow. in exactly the same order to different audiences all over the country. The bookers would specify as seen when they would hire you. And that means what I saw the first time, you're gonna do that when you come to my theater and perform. So that 12 minutes becomes your entire career. Oh no, I'm in a rut. I'm doing the same thing over again. I don't care. Get out on stage and do your act. That's what you're doing to get paid. So there, that's fascinating to me that the entertainers would be so self-indulgent that I want to switch up this thing that I know works just to entertain myself. Well, sure but it would be at the expense of the excellence that you've been known for. So you want to undermine everything that you've built just because you're bored. Not, not worth it to me. So I'm fascinated by drilling into the rut and then finding new ways to be curious about what you could change within the framework of having to do the same thing over and over again. So it's, it's kind of like excellence comes from mastering the basics and you could always practice the basics more. So when, when you're bored and you're in that rut of, oh, it's the same old thing, you're not even halfway to excellence yet. Like just keep going. And this is the price you pay for being the best. And so how do you stay a student in the game right now? So, I mean, obviously you got to, and maybe you're doing that same thing over and over and over, but I, I don't think you are, but how, how are you serving people and how are you staying a student of your game so you can help others? For me, I, I weirdly, 
I love studying storytelling and communication and the ways that it facilitates connection because relationships are your most powerful force in your life, like ever. Your relationship to yourself, to your resources, to your opportunities, to your people, to your problems, to your boss, to your employees, everything is just relationships. And the quality of your relationship is limited by your ability to communicate. And most of your communication is limited by your ability to hear and understand what that other person's trying to say. So the better your listening skills and understanding of what somebody's saying and not saying and what both of those mean, you become better at connecting with them and more opportunities crop up. So I just, I love studying communication and connection. What is, so what do you do outside of work and all the things we're talking about now? What do you do to either clear your mind, get your mind right, get your energy right? What are the, what are the passions and purpose you have daily? Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Yep. Awesome. Very serious as uh, every, every morning start with, with martial arts and Kung Fu, because that is the science of aligning yourself with gravity, momentum, the forces of the universe. Sounds very grandiose and woo-woo, but it's literal. Like you're literally learning how to move your body through space and not have gravity ruin your day, right? So the, the better you learn to navigate the, the laws of reality, the more effective you can be. And then those lessons apply to your ideas, your emotions, and at the most abstract level, your energy. But I'm not going to listen to anybody tell me about energy work if they don't know how to navigate their body in space. Hmm. And so for those of us that don't know Kung Fu, where will we start with that? And if it's not Kung Fu, what else can we do to to know the stuff that you said you're not going to listen to anybody if they don't know it? Working out some kind of physical practice. And it, it, in my book has to be a rigid practice, not a, anything goes free form, whatever you feel. No, the doing whatever you feel you've been doing that a whole, your whole life, right? Build some boundaries, build some constraints. And only then will you discover your creativity and innovation within that framework of what you can't do. Otherwise, how are you going to know whether you're in alignment or not? Can we, can we go through a process? Like we're, let's say we're on stage, we're at a big show for you right now. I'm, I'm the guy you, you brought up on stage. So walk us through that. Can you do that on a zoom type deal or is it gotta be in person? Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you bring somebody up, you know, the mentalist, right? You're reading minds. I mean, some of those things, I don't understand it all that well. So let's, can we walk through an exercise with that? Or is that something we need to be more engaged in a, in an actual meeting? Oh, it? oh, you mean like, uh, for like a demonstration of a, of an actual yeah. routine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Uh, I actually, I, I thought about this and, and here's a, a demonstration that you can follow along with and anybody, uh, that's not driving, can can follow along with. Right. So if anybody's listening to this while driving, please please don't do this. But for me, one of the the cool things is uh, everybody's got a cell phone on them nowadays. So do you have one like close to you, or did you put yeah. it away somewhere can, for I can recording? Grab it real quick. It's just yeah, right over grab, here. Hang grab on. it real quick. All right, I'm back. Excellent, excellent. Put it face down on on your leg, uh, on your lap or the table, whatever is convenient. Perfect. Right. Okay. Face down. 
So we look at our phones at least a couple hundred times every day. So as the, at the time that we're recording this, you've probably already looked at it a hundred times. And I'm really interested in the home screen. So you can have the lock screen, you unlock it, then you're at your home screen, your main one. Yep. Something that you've seen a lot today already. In your upper left-hand corner, there's a widget, an icon, a folder. There's just something in the upper left-hand corner of your home screen. And uh, guys just aren't as good as women are at doing this exercise. So good luck. Uh, if, if you fail, it's okay. Right? Just, just I so you know. I think I'm already going to fail. All yeah. right. So, so lock it into your mind uh, yep. of what you think that icon is. Then in just a moment, but not yet, I'm going to count to three turn the phone over, light it up, unlock your phone, check, and then lock it, turn it face down again. Okay. Make sense? Makes sense. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Okay. Turn it face down. It. Yep. Did you get it right or I wrong? did. I was right. Did. Okay, excellent. So you're in the about 60% of people that get it correct, about 40% of all my audiences miss it and miss it horribly. Okay. Here's the interesting thing to me though, is whether you've got an Android or an iPhone, when you light up the lock screen, you're seeing exactly the same thing, which is the time. Did you see exactly what time it is? I did not. I know what you mean, but we have a security thing on our phone and it doesn't do that for work. So I don't, I don't, and that's actually new in the last like two weeks. <laughs> nice. Nice. Right. The, so I'm trying to, th I don't, yes, no, it doesn't, it doesn't have the, the time on it anymore. All right. But yeah. I'll, I know it I'll used have to, to have update that. it. Yeah. Right. So the, the main point is that what you value dictates what you're aware of. So when the sights are set on step three of, oh, the lock screen, then the home screen, then yeah. the corner, you now filter out everything that isn't what you're valuing right now, right? Yep. So that time, that detail could have been the most useful thing ever to you but it wasn't in alignment with your values. So you ignore it. You're never even aware of it in the first place. So how are you going to remember or make use of something that your mind won't allow you to be aware of? Like, I can't. So yeah. it's just a, a fun little demonstration that I like to do with audiences to help them wrap their heads around, oh, okay, this, is, this isn't just rabbits in hats. This, this has really terrifying implications at a life scale. Okay, where is this yeah. going to go from here? Well, to your point, you said something that if it didn't, if it wasn't in the values, you just eliminate it, right? And I think that's, for me, that's the clear thing that we have to know as a human being, as a, as a father, as a, as a spouse, as a friend, as a leader, as a son, whatever it may be, you got to know your values or, and be able to articulate those values, or there's a lot of things that are going to muddy the waters for you. Would you agree with that? I would, and go even farther that you can never behave out of alignment with your core values. 
Mm-hmm. So if I want to see what you value, I just look at what you do. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what you've said a hundred times. I'm just going to look at what you did the first time. And what you do tells me everything I need to know. And that's one of the, the cool insights from Kung Fu. Yeah. It's your fist that's going to hit me in the face, not what you tell me you're going to do. I just need to watch what you actually do and then respond to that. And I'll be a lot better than if I responded to what you said you were going to do. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So where do our listeners find more of you, Jonathan? Where do you got a website that's handy? I do. The, the two easiest to say is elite.university. That's where all my training stuff goes and have okay. a community there. Uh, the million dollar mindreader.com is where you can find me and links to my social and all that kind of stuff. If you're on Twitter, that's where I'm most active. And if, okay. if you want to know what it's like being trapped inside my head for 14 hours during a car ride, that's the place to go. <laughs> You're gonna let us know everything that's going on, right? Exactly. Every every wacky thought gets plastered up there. There you go. Let it be known, man. Let it be known. <laughs> well, we will send more listeners your way, Jonathan. It's been awesome having you on the Circuit of Success, man. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom, and we look forward to uh, talking again soon. Thank you. My pleasure. It's always an honor to to share my thoughts. Absolutely. <laughs> Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.